What up, though, everybody, and welcome to Checkpoint AFK, Checkpoint XP's lifestyle podcast where we talk about gaming, we talk about politics and gaming, we talk about music and gaming, everything in between the sticks, all the stuff that happens when you are away from your keyboard. I am your host, Norris Howard, alongside Callie Sloan and Robbie Landis. We got a, we got a trifecta. We only got a triangle offense today. Because we're going to be talking about some stuff with massive spoilers in it. So uh, we had to uh, kick Chad and Weird Beard to the curb. uh, (laughs) Because they have not finished the game in question. Uh, But we're going to get a little bit more into that later on in the show. Before we get any further, you need to explain your microphone situation. Like, you've had the worst tech week in history. I really did. So Monday comes around. We have our usual call. Everything's going good. And then literally after we get off our Monday call, uh, our internet starts completely bugging out. Um, I'm not sure if it was some. I know they had some bad weather in the southern U.S., but that shouldn't affect us all the way up here in Michigan. But by Tuesday, our internet was completely out for the vast majority of the day. Now, here's the thing. We record Checkpoint XP on campus, our college uh, esports show. On Tuesdays. I couldn't be in this week's episode because we didn't have internet until like 4 p.m. over here. So that sucked. Right after that, uh, I try to connect and do some voiceover stuff that we do for the show. And this blue Yeti here completely craps out. Just doesn't work anymore. Doesn't cut on. Doesn't do anything. Does nothing. Sounds Um, like you need a new Yeti. Oh, Jesus Christ. (laughs) <laughs> anyway that was bad amazing it was bad anyway um i take this whole thing apart try to fix the see if it's the usb port do all sorts of stuff nothing nothing works have to order a new microphone as we speak right now our the microphone is on the truck literally down the street <laughs> so i <laughs> On top of that, internet still hasn't really been the best in the world. Um, I got scared last night because my external hard drive on my PS4 almost crapped out. I've I've just been scared to touch anything today. I just want to put myself in a bubble and just sit still until shit calms down. You've got the Dr. Grant syndrome going on. Any tech you touch just doesn't work anymore. It sucks, man, and I'm pissed off because like well at least you get to check off the tech apocalypse on your apocalypse bingo card it is true and, and so i'm i'm happy that shit seems to be working right now but i'm i'm stuck on wood so we yeah, do apologize for norris's mic quality this week it will be back to normal next week absolutely, absolutely. allegedly allegedly i mean some That's more shit could happen exactly i mean the microphone i could get could be you know a lemon it could be something that came off, you know, off the boat from Wuhan, and it's just covered in virus. I don't oh, know. Anyway. Oh, no, that's not okay. You can't say yeah, that. I'm, I'm just listen. I'm just being honest, okay. But anyway, uh, I have to ask: Do we have reviews? Well, let's go on over here and check it out. We do have a review this week. Yes. Okay. So we don't have to chew everyone out. Now that said, we only have one, so we're yeah, back down to zero coming, after I read this. But we have an updated review from Tennis Pro, who says, uh, his review is still, uh, the title is still dope. 
He says, love it. Just started getting into e-gaming. As a former athlete, it gives me a place to find new competitive energy. Found you guys on ESPN Fort Myers. Yes, I am 40 years old and a tennis professional. You see, so all you people out there that are complaining that traditional sports aren't around and you don't think you can get value out of esports, proof. One guy in Florida says, yes, you can. Doesn't matter. Look, the, the point is, he comes from a traditional sports background, yeah. and it's the competitive aspect of it that draws him in. I mean, that's Absolutely. all we can ask for. Like, like come on, man. Especially right Absolutely. now when there's not a whole lot of other competition to watch. You know, the NFL draft was last night, and it was, first of all, the weirdest draft I've ever seen. Okay, okay. Robbie, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, but you ain't gonna have much to ask this conversation. I gotta talk about this right yeah. now. Yeah. NFL draft from home. Let's do it like that from now on, please. <laughs> it was so because bad. That shit was so bad, but so amazing, dude. They had Jerry Jones just sitting in his like billion dollar yacht that looked like a. <laughs> oh, it straight up was a Bond villain headquarters. Uh, it looked like Spectre in his yacht. And then they had the guy who girlfriend tried to look at his phone. He just snatches it from it. Dude, I saw, it I saw, I saw that clip. <laughs> I didn't see that clip. Dude, the NFL draft was was nuts. I, I want us to keep it that way. The other thing that I saw too was someone like uh, I forget who who it was, but they're like guys. This dude right here is one of the first draft picks from the NFL, and it was his Twitter, and it was just like seven tweets of him being like, "Yo, what if Big Bird sold drugs?" <laughs> What if you caught Big Bird smashing cookie months? Wait, like, it was just, like, seven tweets of that in a row. Wait, Joe Burrow had that posted? I don't remember exactly who it was, but it was it was something else, oh, man. Man, the whole event, though, it was so weird to watch. Like, And, and it's, it is kind of like you see the same issues like that we run up against where you'll see, like, two people talk at the same time and the whole... Uh, no, go ahead. Uh, no, 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 you go ahead. Like, you get a whole <laughs> bunch of that. It's nice seeing professional-level broadcasters have the exact same problems that you have on Zoom with your work. Absolutely. It, it, but I think the biggest thing about it that I found entertaining is just the simple fact that everything just gets boiled down to its, like, most simplest form. There is nothing that needs to be extravagant about this. And that's the part that I kind of really like about everything nowadays, is that we spend so much money making everything so big that, like, and we've known this in the gaming and esports world since the beginning, is that, no, it can run just fine just with the bare necessities. It can mm-hmm. do fine. And I think sports and many other industries are learning that right now. And I think, like, work... Work in entertainment is forever changed. And again, we will talk about something uh, about entertainment changing and how it could change later on in the show. But I think it's a very interesting thing to look at traditional sports and how they're handling this in terms of like consumership. Because we got Donnie Wahlberg in the chat, which I know is not the real Donnie Wahlberg, but that cracks me up. But we got Donnie Wahlberg in the chat saying the guys on the sports hub, I don't know, I still work to the sports hub. Uh, are saying uh, are upset if they might be made to cover esports if this goes on longer. Felger said he'll he quit. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh! All right, grow up and get with the times, old men. Yeah, I mean, and, and you know, shout out to the Sports Hub. They're also a, a Beasley station, so we're always happy to to when we get to chat with the Sports Hub guys. But yeah, c- c- come on, guys, you're gonna have to eventually just give props to esports because at the end of the day, pandemic comes along, and what are you watching? Because we've got plenty Whoa, of stuff to watch. Look. It's not even just the pandemic either. Like, that's what the young people are watching. 
And if you want to stay with the times, you're going to have to get on board or at some you know, point you're going to be replaced. You know what this is? This is the same thing. It, it, this could be the same thing that happened to radio stations when everybody wanted to switch to urban formats when like rap was really popping off and contemporary yep. R&B where everybody was like, no, we're a top 40. No, we're a classic rock station. And they're like, no, you're not. No, you're not. You're exactly what we say you are. (laughs) You are what we say you are, and we're flipping. And and that may be what happened to a lot of, you know, to some sports stations. They're going to have to cover esports in the future, and it just is what it is. Listen, I've done now four interviews with various stations across the country looking for some gaming coverage because... They got morning shows that need to fill content right now, they and they don't have much else to talk about. So they've I've been reached out to. I've been on in Vegas, Boston, New Jersey, and Kansas City, I believe it was. For, nice. Yeah, yeah, to talk about gaming at this point because people need stuff to talk about, and gaming is a big topic right now. Man, mm-hmm. listen, if somebody invites me on the radio station, they go, why are everybody so turned up about Final Fantasy 7? And I go, well, do you have a chair Pull it up, because we're about to talk about one of the best games ever freaking made in the past 10 years. But Norris anyway, is like, it started in 1997. It all started <laughs> in 1997 with something called the Nintendo Dolphin. Anyway, um, we are going to take a quick break, and we will be right back. We're going to talk a little bit about Fortnite, which I know you're not too thrilled about, but we're going to talk a little bit about Fortnite because a really ginormous event with Travis Scott took place on this weekend, and uh, you should check it out if you get a chance to. So we'll be right back with more Checkpoint AM. Go, man. We had the worst position and still won the game. Yes! Let's go! That was intense. He's dropping to the right. It's solo. Solo. Brother, push him together. He's in it. Bro, bro, bro. Hell yeah, bro. Go, boy. So the first one coming up is a little bit of a rematch from, uh, I believe it was last week or, or the week before. Getting them a little mixed up there. Everything's during the quarantine starting to blur together. But the Atlanta Reign and the Philadelphia Fusion, once again, going to go head-to-head. Uh, I believe the Reign took the Fusion to a Game 5 last time. So, Jake, I have to know, do you think that the Fusion are going to be able to stay on top of their game, or do you think that someone might finally get, well, I guess it would be the second win over the Fusion, but might finally put the brakes on them? Well, I mean, you know, you have to look at this match going in and just predict Philly to win just because they are the top team uh, in the region right now, arguably the top team in the entire league right now. Um, so I, I wouldn't predict anybody over them. But, you know, Rayan have shown time and time again that they have the mental fortitude to focus on themselves, focus on their own gameplay, and not let their opponent's strength get to their head. So...
Yo, yo, yo. Welcome back to Checkpoint AFK. Another at home edition here with Callie Sloan and Robbie Landis. I'm take it back. Howard, your host. Move your mic away a little bit. You're breathing into it now. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's anyway, a damned if you do and damned if you don't. Yeah, I know. This is what happens when you have to use a freaking headset mic because of your technical difficulties. But anyway, uh, we are going to uh, be talking about a really big event that went down in a uh, fortnight over this weekend. And that's like rap superstar Travis Scott did an in-game performance in Fortnite uh, that, in, in my opinion, blew almost everything that they did out of the water so far. Uh, Fortnite is a game that has had many sort of meta events. Uh, they had the Marshmallow DJ event. They did the Thanos event a couple years ago. A lot of people forgot about the whole Thanos event. I think they're in the midst of a Deadpool event too right yeah, now. Yeah, they have a, a Deadpool event that is currently live. And they did a preview for uh, the latest Star Wars movie for The Rise yep. of Skywalker. They previewed the scene in-game. And so this is a game that is very used to these really huge events, these really big moments that people love to coalesce around and talk about. And I expected this Travis Scott concert to be similar to the Marshmallow event where some sort of avatar of Travis Scott would be on a stage and you would go there and you would watch him perform a few songs and that would be it. Let me tell y'all something. This shit was on a whole nother level, okay? You got transported through supernovas. The whole map caught on fire. There was roller coasters everywhere. A giant planet came down with a speaker inside of it. There's a 50-foot Travis Scott. Wait, like, wait. <laughs> so, so, so you're telling me it was the final scenes of Pacific Rim? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> it, it was. It, listen, there was a Travis Scott kaiju in the middle of this game, and this is absolutely amazing. Um, he performed a few of his top songs you know like sicko mode and goosebumps and stuff like that but this this performance was really cool and if you haven't had a chance to watch a video of this or if you haven't had a chance to check it out in game for yourself i suggest that you do it because i hate fortnite everybody (laughs) i hate fortnite with every fiber of my being i do not like this game I am going to keep this game installed so I can watch this performance multiple times. Multiple times. That's I mean, how I'm, it is. I, I'm definitely good just checking out the VODs, but but you're right. I, I too, was, was thinking that it would probably be something similar to what Marshmallow did and kind of going forward, especially in Fortnite, you know, that would be one of, uh, you know, sort of like the, the, the things that draws people in. And, and honestly, I'm, I'm a little surprised that they, not even just with the, the pandemic that's going on, but surprised that they haven't been doing stuff like that more regularly but the fact that they were able to step it up from before and it just like it it's like he was just behind like the map just like dancing like in the space beyond uh it it does make me wonder how they plan on stepping it up for whatever the next one is right well because there was a pretty big jump in quality from uh dj marshmallow one to this not to say that there was anything wrong with the first one the dj marshmallow thing was actually super cool and was Mm kind of game changing at the time but this definitely felt like an evolution of it. I do wonder where it goes from here. And also, what's the next game going to be that tries to, to pull something like this? Well, and that's sort of what, you know, the question I wanted to ask is that, you know, California, the governor of California, or excuse me, the mayor of L.A. had 
came out and essentially said that there's not going to be any more concerts or sporting events uh, in L.A. probably for the rest of the year. I mean, just being realistic, mm-hmm. looking at the spread of COVID-19, there's no reason for us to risk people like that for the sake of entertainment. Mm. So if this becomes more of a reality for the remainder of the year, and really almost any time there's a, a outbreak or any time that there's a massive event, why can't we just pivot towards digital performances? Why can't we just sort of enjoy some of our favorite artists in a digital space? I think that this is very much so a possibility in a game like Fortnite. And let's be honest, they can start monetizing this like tomorrow if they yeah. wanted to. See, I think that's probably the biggest thing for me and something that uh, this might seem like a little bit of a, a jump. But uh, Overwatch League on on Twitch and seeing the move that it made from Twitch now to YouTube, no longer having the drops, shows you how weirdly important that was to people. You know, it went from from 90 to 100K concurrent viewers to now seeing, you know, between 20 to 30K concurrent viewers. Because now at this point, people are only watching if they really want to watch. But even just the smallest digital goods or, or any sort of hint of digital exclusivity that may come along with it in in terms of you know partnering up for that type of stuff norris will get people coming to check you out even if it's just for a few minutes that's more potential eyes uh that prior to this because of you know stuff like obviously geolocation would not have been possible well think about anywhere no, near possible. think about the dj sona skin in league of legends right it's a it's a it's a different skin in that every time she changes her abilities, it plays a different song. And they're all kind of like trance EDM songs, and they're really cool. But how long is it going to be until a major artist supplies the songs for DJ Sona? You know what I mean? And we're and that's like yeah. the selling point of the skin. That would be yeah. super cool. And we're not, we can't be far from that kind of thing happening. No, not at all. And that's sort of the thing that, that I mean is that, you know, when you have sort of a... a, a, a a situation that makes artists look for alternative ways to share their music or share their creations or really make money. Um, I think gaming and video games and online communities are really kind of a untapped market and an untapped frontier. Like I still play Final Fantasy uh, 14 quite a bit, and there's a troop of Lalafels. It, I'm, I'm so disappointed in myself that I'm saying this, but there's a troop of Lala fans. Not as disappointed the, as for, we are. For the yeah. uninitiated gnomes, basically. Yeah, a troop of gnomes that walk around, and every Friday they do performances on different servers of like different music. They played the entirety of Freebird, all of it. No, no, these, these are actual people, not some these are actual that, people. These are not, yeah, this is not something that's been programmed in, but these are actual people. But I looked at something like that as something that is really creative and really interesting. But Fortnite is taking this whole thing to a new level. I mean, what was to stop them from saying, all right, as a part of your season pass, you get a free ticket to the three in game concerts we're going to have? Uh, or you get a digital season. download for Travis's new single. Well, yes, exactly. Or even beyond that, how long is it going to be until they partner up with a festival like Burning Man or something like that and just say, listen, there's no way you can go to Burning Man this year. However, Burning Man's going to be held in Fortnite. Dude, if they <laughs> holding Burning Man in Fortnite, I just that just seems 
just like a lot of STDs that people won't get. So I'm really <laughs> happy about that. I mean, um, is it really Burning Man if it doesn't burn? That's true, but it, it's, it's, it was just uh, an example. It could be any music festival. It could be anything. It could be yeah. Bonnaroo. It could be Coachella. It could be yeah. any big music festival. But I, I, I think I like the way you're thinking about this, and I think that Fortnite is also looking at this kind of stuff too because this is this is brilliant. And again, if you haven't experienced any of these special events in Fortnite, um, I think you should just to get a gauge on how interesting and big this thing really was but i don't know what other game could do it because unreal is 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 already super malleable and plenty of developers already know how to make it do whatever the hell they wanted to do well it, it also just lines up better i think with with fortnite's brand i feel like if you tried to you know hold or put like a concert in you know like a match of league of legends or overwatch or apex it's it's just gonna feel weird in in off you know there, there's just something about the way that fortnite has uh, just ingrained itself in in the DNA of like our culture that it just yeah. it makes more sense for Fortnite well, to do it. Listen, they I would League of Legends would absolutely let you do it. That you would just have to make your band in the game as characters from the game. Like that's all yeah. they would expect of you. But you're right. It, like Fortnite, they built such an anything goes mindset into their game from the word go that when stuff like this happens, you just go. Yeah, that's on brand for Fortnite. Like they could yeah. say almost anything. Because they put a, they put a giant, brand. yeah, they put a giant burger out in the middle of the Nevada desert. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like short everything of, is on brand for Fortnite. Short everything. of them being like bareback orgy fest, you'd be like, yeah, that's on brand for Fortnite. <laughs> like, well, I'm not saying there are no limits, but there's very few. I mean, again, if they're getting together with Burning Man, you're going to see it. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. But I mean, you're right. It, but the thing is, I think, I think battle royales inherently are just they're able to do it in battle royales and i think mmos could do it to a certain extent but i'm not sure if there's any other games besides fortnite that really could pull this kind of stuff off uh currently and i i I downloaded the whole damn game just to watch this thing so i think that's i think that's pretty cool but i I think that's a win in their book so yeah that's a win but anyway uh that's gonna be it for that conversation like i said if you guys have not checked out that uh that performance there's plenty of videos and youtubes about it um if you're watching this live uh there's still performances going on all weekend so if you have fortnite you could go and watch it you can check the listings on on fortnite's twitter page and all that good stuff uh and also uh, i'm doing a quick write-up on it on the website so if you're hearing this on the back end after we put it out to the podcast you'll be able to go check out that story on checkpointxp.com but we are going to be right back. We're going to dive, deep dive, all the way deep into Final Fantasy VII Remake because we got opinions. We got so many opinions. There will anyway, be spoilers. There will be spoilers. So if you have not beat this game, I suggest you mute. All right, guys. We'll be back with more Checkpoint AFK. You want a pedestal up above 
And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. Well, we have an unprecedented outbreak. Thousands of us walking the earth. We might die at any moment. Because we're under attack. In which case, we must act fast. Doctors are trying their best. Working long hours and... Always sacrificing. Their health to protect you. Well, I'd very much like to thank them. Thanks, Doctor. Thank you, Doctor. Thank you, Doctor. Thank you, Doctor. Wait a minute. What's the prognosis? It's still changing. So we have a novel virus and no vaccine at this time. What should we do? We gotta get everybody else back into the houses. We gotta keep them there. In other words... This is our lockdown, right? What that means is... Stay in your homes. Make no attempt to reach loved ones. And take a long nap. You can count me out. You can count me out, too. Some people are immune to good advice. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> Those idiots. I just need to make sure you fully understand. Let's recap. I'm begging you. Stay inside. Wash your hands. And make sure you've got ten feet of personal space around you. Stay away from me. Uh-uh-uh. I didn't hear you wash your hands. So think on this, lads. When you're home watching TV. Think about the medical stuff. Working for you. So I'm asking you. Stay home. I'm in isolation. Just stop the virus. All right, I'll do it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You stay classy, planet Earth. Welcome back to another really, really great segment of Checkpoint AFK. Your host, Norris Howard, here alongside Callie Sloan and Robbie Landis, where we are going to be talking about one of the most awesome games to come out. Prolific games. Prolific games to come out in a very, very long time. The Final Fantasy VII Remake, a game that polarized this very cast before its release that has brought us together like no other in our shared love and admiration for such a great game coming from Square Enix. Guys, before we dive deep to, into sort of the changes and the new things that we enjoy, um, I want to just get your uh, opinion of what Square Enix was able to do with this one. So, uh, well, before before we do that, I just w- once more want to iterate, just for anyone listening now or anyone in the chat, there will be spoilers all kinds the rest of this episode. So if that matters to you and you haven't finished it yet, because believe me, you wouldn't have thought that with a remake there'd be spoilers, but there are major spoilers. This is your last warning. Callie, go ahead. All right. So I do want to start by saying that we as a cast, we frequently agree when things are dumb. We frequently agree when things are stupid. We can all point something and go, that is dumb. We never, ever agree when something is good. We never, someone on the cast thought it sucked. Always. This is the one time where we have all been like, yo, wow. (laughs) They did a great job. They did a great job with this. It's amazing. And and that's what I, I, you know, I I went into this game. It's. It, it's still not without its no, it's square no. enixes, no. but we'll we'll get to those. Yeah, it's not without its enixisms, but uh, yeah. there are after years of having to take Square Enix games and say they're a bad game with some good ideas. I finally get to say one. This is a great game with some imperfections that can be ironed out in later installments in it. Like th- See, there's nothing that's... in it that can't be fixed relatively easy. I, I think that that's the the best compliment that you can give to it is that 
Final Fantasy VII is an imperfect masterpiece, which is exactly what the original was as well. Yeah, I mean, God, there's like, there are blatant translation errors in the original FF7. Like, there are all kinds of things wrong with it, but it was a masterpiece nonetheless. Even if I didn't care for it, I can look at it and say, yeah, that's a great game. So, all right, so... Because I'm not even necessarily sure exactly 100% sure where to start. But, I mean, do we want to keep beating around the bush or do we just want to get the big thing out of the let's, way? Let's, see, let's get the, so let's get the big thing it. out of the way. Let's start with the ending. Get, we have let's to. start with the ending, okay? Because we know that this game was going to follow a fairly linear path that put us pretty much outside of Midgar where the game opens up uh, at the end of the sort of... Uh, at the end of that chapter of the original game we knew that's where the game would end they told us that yep. however we did not know what the hell was about to happen uh once you defeated rollerball uh at the end of the chess sequence and essentially what happened is the most neon genesis evangelion anime ridiculousness um see see i i chose i chose a, a a different title to uh talk about what happened at the end there because they straight up pulled some kingdom hearts bullshit on us absolutely but no but when nora says evangelion you're talking 1.11 when you get to yep. the end of it and you learn that it's a sequel and it's not actually a remake of it and you're right it's the exact same thing they kind of pulled on us here yeah absolutely because here here is you know, before we start talking about theories, essentially what happens is you, you fight through this massive battle um, with destiny, quote unquote, destiny, fate, fate itself, yeah. um, to change the outcome of what is happening with the original game. Potentially, um, yeah. Potentially. All throughout the game, you have these little ghost things that the are mentors. That, the, the mentors yes. that are trying to preserve what happened in the original game they're trying to preserve that timeline every time something drastically different happens in the game the dementors show up and they're like oh <laughs> no absolutely not um which by the and- way is such a brilliant way of square enix handling the problem that we as the player know what is supposed to happen next like we are we yes. it like as the player we are kind of tempted to go <clears throat> uh actually i don't want to go to Sector 5 Reactor because I'm going to have to fight the Airbuster and, you know, we're going to fall down. And, like, I know what's going to happen and I know how it's going to end up. It's a problem. This is going to lead to them dropping the plate. But these kind of Dementors are, like, literally the game's embodiment of enforcing the original timeline, enforcing fate. And you are more fighting what you as the player knows is supposed to happen than you are the actual enemies of the game. Yeah, and and, and I think it's a very interesting take on it and so the the ending is sort of the culmination of these dementors sort of saying like guys you are fucking stuff up you need to get back on track and they fight against that but in my opinion what this actually is is the square enix writers taking a meta narrative to give them more latitude with the rest of the game because we know exact we know exactly what is supposed to happen which is at some point Aerith dies trying to summon Holy and that motivates the rest of the party to go and continue to stop Sephiroth. We know that. However I think with this, this allows for that to still happen but in a way that we don't expect because you can't do it the exact same way. It would remove all the emotional resonance, right? What it does I think it would. You okay, can. so no, no, no. So hold on. Bigs, Wedge, and Jesse, the plate falling. That had no emotional resonance with you. 
No, no, I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that. I'm saying I think four people, Biggs, Wedge, and, J- and Jesse dying, was still going to have emotional resonance because it was a scene that people wanted expanded. People wanted to feel more of that. People wanted to say, oh my god, when they dropped the plate, this massive destruction and death, I want I want to see what they do. I want to see more of that. I think right. with Aerith dying, because that is so central. There, there are people who don't who have never played FF7 who know Aerith dies. Yeah. They don't know about the plate dropping, but they know Aerith dies. Yeah, the emotional so. impact of Biggs, Wedge, and Jesse dying this time around is so heightened by the fact that we got to actually learn more about them and spend some time with them. How much of Biggs, Wedge, and Jesse do you actually see in the original? Not very no, much. I, I, I agree, but you don't think that that same approach would work with Aerith as well? That they couldn't get you just as attached, like, like even more attached to her? Because we've already had discussions that this Aerith is so much better and so much yeah. More likable than the original one. See, look, from, from my opinion, first of all, like, like you said earlier, Callie, the game itself, the experience, it's 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 pretty much a masterpiece. Mm-hmm. But what I'm struggling with is I don't, I feel like I'm not sure who this story was written with in mind, right? Because to to a certain extent, I I get the idea that. You know, and had I known from the beginning this was going to serve as a reboot, I probably would have been on board with it because I'd have been like, there's no way that they can live up to the original. I've said that on multiple occasions before. It can't do what the original one did again, right? And I think that when when they try to introduce change, the idea of introducing change to the story, that people would be like, no, you can't do that. You have to say exactly how you did in the original game, right? Yeah. But because of the fact that they're stretching this out, we also recognize the fact that they do have to add more stuff, right? Correct, they, yeah. they have to be able to expand more on the stories and on the characters, right? So, like, the idea of Cloud not wanting to go, or, or, or Barrett not wanting Cloud to come to Sector 5 Reactor for that mission, being like, you know, you're out, we don't need you no more. And then they had to use the Dementors to bring him back in. I mean, they could have just as easily had Jesse suffer some other sort of accident or whatever that wasn't fate-related, and they bring him back in. Well, but and the- I hold on, and I don't think that anyone would have batted an eye at that. And the fact that ninety-five percent of this game does actually stay on track—if you'd have taken the Dementors out, had them stay in there—what they actually did, what I didn't think that they would be able to do—and they had this feel just as impactful and just as special as what the original game did, staying on track. And I feel like what they thought they had to do was was come up with some some mind bending some some sort of big ah it's not actually what you thought it was so now you don't have to worry about us ruining the game because we're going to make a different one but they act i actually honestly think they could have remade the game beat for beat introduced other stuff that they wanted to See, and it actually would have been just as special you're saying that no, if they had gone for it they would have proved you wrong on what yeah. you said originally yeah. no, i just I just, I just think to that point, though, that I think you still have to do something that subverts the expectation, right? Because if you just go and remake the game beat for beat and, and everybody knows what's coming at the exact moment that it's coming at, I think you you do remove some of the emotion. And the, by, virtue, by virtue of the fact that we've done more learning about Biggs, Wedge, and, and, and Jesse, the fact that we've explored more of Midgard, the fact that everything doesn't happen in a one-for-one, one, um... I, I think, yeah, you have to do something, in my opinion, that kind of explains that. And I think by having the Dementors or the Whispers, I'm going to use the actual term that they use in the game, the Whispers, the, the, the will of the planet, if you will. 
I think by introducing them and by introducing them as a plot device, no, it is not the most deft or, you know, creative thing in the world. It's not. But I think by introducing them, you allow for the concept of being able to hit the same plot beats in a very, very different way. Because let's say you put Aerith in a very different situation. Let's say she still dies, but she dies in a way that or let's say Aerith lives, excuse me. Let's say Aerith, Aerith lives. That takes away literally what is the core of Final Fantasy VII's story. I it, it, I, it I agree. It also betrays the original unique. message. Right. That, yeah, death, that death is final. That death is not something that we can outrun. And it's part of and, life, yeah. Absolutely. See, look, I, I, I'm not even saying so, that, that, that this can't work either, right? I, okay. I, I definitely think that in order to... <laughs> We're not going to know for sure uh, uh, until we get more of the game. Like, like right. that's that's just the the, well, the and, by and large and, of it, right? And the Dementors uh, won't be I, in the next game. Theoretically, we're now on yeah, a new timeline. I just I don't think that they needed this this whole Nomura Kingdom Hearts. We have to defy fate thing to be able to do the stuff that they wanted to do. But right? if they did, but if they didn't, then that game has no real climax. Like that's the thing is that you. You get out of Midgar, you beat Rollerball. If Rollerball was the final boss of that game, everybody would talk about how that game was literally ruined. Like, now people can at least debate about it and at least have feelings. If they'd have Rollerball and you stand at the edge of the freeway and you just walk into the wilderness and that's the end of the game, people would be like, that was a trash ending. To that sure. end, before that, that... we spend the entirety of our show talking about this, I have to talk about the Sephiroth fight because actually, it was just a great fight. Was, was just about to get that as well because you're right. Oh my God. that would have that would have felt very anticlimactic, right? But it doesn't have to be one or the other. It doesn't have to be we'll either do the fate or don't do the fate, right? And I think the Sephiroth using Sephiroth at the end of it, finally getting to sort of fight him at the end there. I think that you still could have had that without all of the Dementor fate stuff being in there. So, I mean, I, I, I think it, it, I think it becomes harder. I think you're right. Yes, they could have, but I think it becomes harder. But I think also with that says remaking uh, one of the most prolific RPGs in the history of gaming shouldn't be an easy thing to do. So you're right; no, it no, would have no, been no. hard. But I, think, but I think, but I think what that does is it sets us up for a climax at the end of the entire story that we did not expect but will provide the same amount of catharsis and emotional resonance that's what i think it's about because they use so much already from the original ff7 ending that you can't repeat that again so i already know this is going to go off on a separate path and i'm excited now because now i don't know what's about to happen you took a game that i knew every plot point i knew every beat i knew everything i was about to have we're gonna go to freaking fort condor and then Genon, and then we're gonna see all this stuff in cosmo canyon and now i don't know what the fuck is about to happen and i think that that is exciting to me for a game that i played a bajillion times so i mean if you're going from at that angle then yes that that's that's fine i i i understand that right but you know uh, again for me i don't think that I don't necessarily have to be surprised by what the major beats are, right? I think you can still go into something, understanding what the major beats are, but also knowing that what, what was once one game is now going to be three or four games. There's going to be new stuff in there, and it's about that journey. And specifically with FF7, knowing what's going to happen, the messages and, 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 and the metaphors that they could have leaned on 
was what was present in the original one. And that was the idea that death happens. Death is final. It's a part of life. And you have to deal with that. And they could have explored those sort of messages even more in depth than they could have in the original one. I, and I think it's all, it's all about telling the story or the message differently, but not necessarily having needing to change it. So I think one thing that they've set themselves up for is, you know, they now have what's valuable is that they can really take it wherever they want to go. They get to tell a new story within the context of an old story, but they've also set themselves up with a great deal of challenge. In many ways, we're now starting to reach the point uh, we're starting to reach late season Game of Thrones when they didn't have the books to go off of anymore. This time, they're not just going to get to follow the script almost beat for beat and change the things that were kind of silly last time. This time, they're going to have to really create a lot that's going to, you know, the second game is going to feel vastly different from the first game. So that's going to be a challenge for them. But again, I have to talk about the Sephiroth battle because it has been a long time since a battle has cracked my top 10 boss battles of all time list. And this one absolutely did. The music in this boss battle was so on point. The visuals yeah. were so on point that cutscene that the, the actual the, the, the cutscene fight that you get after you do the actual boss fight is so good. Sarah was sitting next to me watching it. It just goes, Man, girls who make AMVs today are so spoiled. This is bullshit. Like <laughs> like they're gonna have that to work with. Like Yeah. It, it's it's you know, in in a, a thing, and that's sort of what I was saying about they have already taken so much from the original FF seven uh ending, but the fight itself once you get to the Sephiroth part is so brilliant in the fact that it has all of this emotional overture in the fact that Sephiroth feels like at any moment he could just haul off and whoop everybody's ass did you and did you the- enjoy that as his classic final fantasy the boss before the final boss was actually harder did you have did you have more trouble with Bahamut than I than uh, Sephiroth because I certainly <laughs> did no uh, I did not because I, I had uh, Dolphin Flurry and Ascension were both. So up did I. Oh, okay, <laughs> I didn't have either so of mine up, and like, dude, they that bomb fight was such a pain in the ass. So I have a so I have a very quick thing that I just want to throw out there because IGN put out a theory that said that those three enemies that you fight within that last area are representations of Barrett, Tifa, and Cloud because one has a sword, one has a gun arm, and one has fists basically mm. when you scan them they say like these are avatars from the future, from the future. looking yep. to yeah. protect the timeline or yep. whatever right here's the thing i don't think it's them at all i don't think it's future barrett tifa and whoever if you look at what song is playing that song is called advent i think what that is is that's uh kadaj laz and Yazoo. That's who I from, took it to me. Uh, from interesting. Advent when children, we were when we were playing through it, I thought I was th- like there was a lot of Advent children in the way that they fight and move mm-hmm. in that cutscene too. That's what I took it to mean. Yeah, and they have like very similar move sets. So I think w- when you combine all that, we have all the before Crisis and Crisis Core stuff layered on top of the game. Then you have the Advent children stuff layered on top of the game. There is a lot in the next game that we're going to get that couldn't even begin to be explored in the original game like me personally i think wutai is now mandatory i think you have to do i think wutai is a serious arc that you're gonna have to do that is gonna be more than just don cornero part two i think it is gonna be a very serious arc that 
See, was it going to be an original game? That right there is exactly the reason why I don't think that you needed to worry about like, oh, well, you're not going to surprise people with Ares' death if you don't change it. There's enough that you can now put in there and explore that people will still be surprised by the new stuff that's added. And you, you know what I think would make this game perfect? Like, I would have no complaints about, well, except for the, except for having to fight the, the Kingdom Hearts uh, beginner boss uh, as a <laughs> final boss battle. Um, is if this was the only game. If this served to sort of the idea that it was being rebooted and they're not going to make a second one, this was it, I'd be okay with that. Because now what I'm afraid is going to happen is, even if the next one's good, I feel like what's going to happen next is the classic Square Enix stuff where they're going to get bogged down and mired in the usual Square Enix stuff that ends up not making any sense and they don't know how to fix it, so they just throw more stuff in there. Yeah, and we're going to have to watch an anime in going between. To be, it's well, gonna you know be, what? It's going to be no more as next Kingdom Hearts project. But you know what? I think I think by doing that last act, that it it is the exact opposite. I think what they've done is they said, there are some things that we have to change that on the surface are probably not going to be easily explainable, Right. And I think they put the Whispers and the Dementors in it because they're saying we're ha- we're going to have to pull in so much other ancillary stuff that was not explained in the original game that we need to have some sort of device in the game that says shit's going to be different. I think they I think they felt and I'm not saying I agree, but I'm saying I think they felt that they had to have some sort of representation of that in the game. Right. Because we now know that in a separate timeline somewhere that Zack is alive. Yeah, which is another thing that I'm like, how did defeating fate change the past? But okay. Well, because time isn't linear. It's, it's... Exactly. Exactly. So even if they decide, even if you're right, and they're like, all right, we're not using the Dementors anymore because they were defeated. Now they're still wanting, like... No, here's the thing. I don't think, I don't... No, to be perfectly honest, I don't think the the Zack thing they, that could end up bearing no importance whatsoever. Like, legitimately, that could be... Which still would go to we, my point that they're, we, they're just going to get so convoluted in what they're trying to do. No, what I'm saying is that doesn't it doesn't need to bear on anything that they're, they're doing in the second game. I think that was their thing. I said, by defeating Fate, Zack lived, and that's that particular timeline's happily ever after. Zack and Cloud live, and everything's cool. But now we have this other thing, this other timeline, the main one that you're playing that has to be solved, that has to be resolved. I don't think you even need to touch on the Zack thing. I think that's a touch. And by showing the little stamp chip bag, it shows this is not the reality that you're in, but you've changed something and you've changed something for the better by doing this. And I think that's more so the objective well that's a nice take i don't know that i believe that from square enix but it's a nice take it's a nice thought for sure yeah and here's the thing there's some other there's some other little like nods and things that i think are really really cool in this game um like the mural in Aerith's old room um when you beat uh what is that boss when you're in shinra and you beat after you beat the experiment and then you pass after you beat the experiment and pass out if you look at that mural it is the black materia at the center and there's all sorts of representations of characters and flora and fauna swirling around the black materia to stop it and Mm -hmm. i think what the game has been telling us throughout the very beginning all the way to the end is that 
I think Aerith knew and always knew, even in the original game, that she had to die. I think every I think even in the original game, she knew that. And that's why she is so adamant about joining Cloud. She's so adamant about helping the party at any cost. She's so adamant about cutting a deal, by going to Shinra, by doing all this stuff. See, that would have put an entirely different spin on the events, even if they stayed the same. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I think you can't, I think for a new person, you can't just put that out there like Aerith always knew. For somebody who never played that game, I think they go like that, that, that's not important to me. So, I, I, I get you, and I understand what you're saying. I don't think... That the ending of this game ruins what we did, nor do I think. No, it you're right. Ruins, it doesn't. Nor do I think it ruins what what's to come. I think, <laughs> depending if, on how they execute it, it's it's true. But I think if this game is any indication on the care that they are going to bring to this world in these characters, then we are in for a game that is even better than the one that we just played. To be perfectly honest, we'll see. And I'm not saying I have full faith in they can still enix this shit up, but <laughs> but I'm saying that I feel a lot better about what they could do with this game after what I just played. Because even if you give me little parts that are kind of silly and don't make sense, the original had little parts, and things that didn't make sense that you just played through, and the game was still brilliant. Um, I I, I think people and, and Robbie including you I think people are so polarized by this ending that they're forgetting that the rest of the game the other 95% of the game was so fucking good false because I still to this point contend that the ending to Mass Effect did not ruin the journey right um, you know there's there, there's a great piece that, that I was trying to find here really quick so that I could also link it to people that uh, uh, Heather Alexander over at Kotaku did about the ending to FF and and because I, I'm still trying to, to again struggle with who was this game made for? Was it made for new fans? Was it made for old fans? Because right. there's a lot of I feel like there's a lot of stuff in there that that, that, you gotta that satisfy con- both. That's the problem. That, that that contradicts with it, right? And and she talks about the idea that this game was made for the character. Uh, a, a chance to give them sort of put the destiny back in their own hands and give them a chance to, you know, to do something different or try something new. And and that honestly it, it, it did help me to grasp with with some of my feelings. Well, we do spend um, a lot of time I, trying I, to figure out who in the fan base something is for. And there is something to be said for an artistic stance to it. It was made sure. for the sake of story. I can see that. Yes, yes. But I I, I, I think that, that, that first of all, um, <laughs> somehow uh, I, I was strangely vindicated on both fronts with this games because, you know, when it was first announced, uh, I talked about how, like, if they ruin it, then I win because I was right. And if they don't, and it's a good, fun game, I win because I get to play it. I never for once thought that I would feel both of those things simultaneously about the game. Right. Um, But unfortunately, I also don't think that we're going to get a full answer about how the the, the saga of the Final Fantasy VII remake plays out until we get more of the game. Because there is still plenty of time for them to ruin what they've created. So I have a question. What does what do they have to do in the next installment of this game to make you feel comfortable with the decision that they made at the end of this one? Um, Because that's the because that because to me, 
that's the thing. I am I am okay with giving the creators the latitude to do something different, and I'm mm-hmm. just expecting what I don't know. But for you, it sounds like the unknown is almost more of a source of anxiety for you in terms of what they do next in the game. So what can they do to make you feel better about it? I honestly won't know until I feel it because I don't want to sit here and say that, you know, they can't just not go off and do like their whole own thing. You know, Tifa dies instead for some other reason. Ares lives. Holy doesn't actually do what it's supposed to do. Sephiroth finds a different way to to try and destroy the like. I don't know how I would feel until I see it in execution. Well, Robbie, I just wait, wait, wait. Now hold on. I just I just don't want this to become the next Kingdom Hearts, where it's all about heart and family. And every game they pile more answers and more conspiracies and more shit that doesn't make sense on top of other stuff. Well, what I'm saying is they didn't. They didn't build that in this game. They didn't. They didn't build they that did. in the first Kingdom Hearts either. <sighs> All right, that's fair. But I, I think but, the point that Robbie, you're getting at is, and it's a pertinent one, is what they've earned with this game by making the game as well as they did. They have earned me not going on the air and saying I demand A, B, C, and D for me to like the next game. They have earned the right for me to go. That's fine. You know what? Put out the next game. If it's an enjoyable experience, you will get nice things said about you. Like, you know, it doesn't require... Sp- when they screwed up in Final Fantasy fourteen, it, w- it became my task to think of ways to fix it and demands and things that I wanted to see <laughs> changed because it's hard yeah. to get on the air and just vocally criticize with having no suggestions for how to improve it. I don't right. need to suggest ways to improve this game because it's really good. If you if you go and make another game and it's an enjoyable experience, you have justified the decisions you made in this game. See, I don't. I, I'm not. I'm not disappointed in this game except for again the heartless that you have to fight at the end. Um, I I think what disappointed me was I didn't have faith that they could recreate the story of the start of seven to the end of Midgar and have it feel worthwhile that that have that, it that, feel that, like that, it was a full game well not 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 just a full game that 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 it would inspire within me the exact same feelings that i felt for the original because i knew what was going to happen right but they did that they <laughs> did what i didn't think was possible <laughs> and then at the end of the game they goes but you know what you're not going to get that anymore i didn't think that it was possible they could make what they said they were going I to make that. i love that and then they though. didn't, and that's just something that, that I'm I struggling that. with. No, see, the reason that I don't is because I don't think, and and, and if an interview comes out that 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 proves me wrong, that's fine. But I don't think that they did it as like, aha, we knew we could do it, and now we've defied your expectations. I think that they too thought we can't do it, so we have to do something different, and they didn't. And there's nah, just part, the, there's just part of me that. Nah, I think the intention. I think with something as big as that at the end of the game, that that was completely intentional. They knew what they were doing, and I, I love that. I love a subversion of expectation. Now the execution, I cannot like. It wasn't great until we got to the Sephiroth fight, and I was just like, "Oh, you guys can still make really good boss battles." I forgot. But see, if we just walked the, through and just fought Sephiroth, it, I I don't know how much anger i would have at that yeah. but honestly the entire whisper stuff like i was just sitting here looking at my screen like nomura you fucking kidding me i mean but think about like, it at how this can point you... i want roche back 
But no. think about it. How can you? No. Okay, that is one thing we agree on. Roche is terrible. Yeah, Roche um, and never came back. He's like, we'll meet again. Good. No, Roche. Roche, <laughs> Roche is Roche is gonna be your recurring. Yes, I know. Your recurring hey, jackass villain. Can, you have to fight all the time. We we are. He's got. You know what he is? He's Ultros. Roche is Ultros. No, we are. Yeah. So we are desperately out of time. But real quick, I do need <laughs> to make sure we all agree on this. Johnny is Conrad Werner, right? Like, we can agree on that. We are going to see Johnny in every game, get more of the Johnny experience, and he is our Conrad Werner. That is a fact, right? Yeah, I guess. Okay, Yes, we will see Johnny every game, we will see Roche every game, and we will see Reno and Rude every game. Those and are, Leslie, those please, are, please, please bring back Leslie. Yes, more Leslie. Yeah, Leslie Absolutely more Leslie. More Leslie. Leslie's cool. He's great. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, that is unfortunately going to be all the time that we have for today. The last thing I want to say is Tifa dying is a stupid theory because Tifa, ha- it makes no narrative sense. She can't summon holes. I mean, if they're able to anyway. change everything, maybe she dies for a different reason. Okay, fine. Cool. If you can explain it well, do it. I don't care. But um, the thing is, is that we want you guys to to reach out to us give us your opinions about the game give us your opinions about uh how you feel about it you know your playthroughs we want to hear all your stories because it, it is a really great game that it does generate a lot of discussion which in my opinion makes it a very very well-made game uh and a very good game but uh we are gonna leave on that note for this week thank you guys for joining us on this week of checkpoint afk i am your host norris howard here with cali sloan robbie landis don't forget to go to the website checkpointxp.com where you can see all of our shows the owl's nest checkpoint on campus the radio show all the good stuff you can see it there on the website and check out our youtube as well because we put everything on the youtube so if you didn't see it live you can check it out over there for cali sloan and robbie landis i'm norris howard and we hope to see you guys back for another installment of checkpoint afk Tubes.